again and welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 44, Why Gun Control Won't Stop Gun Violence, part 3. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. We're glad that you tuned in to today's podcast, and we appreciate your support by doing that. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you again where you can always find our podcast. We can be found at Be Boomer Unleashed. .podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed. You can find us on iHeartRadio at B.BoomerUnleashed. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Tumblr, and Instagram at Be Boomer Unleashed, on Twitter at Be Boomer Unleashed One. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at Be Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com. Now, as we get into today's episode, I'm going to be just perfectly honest with you. I have more material here before me than we can possibly cover in one episode. So, episode 44 might turn into episode 44, 45, and 46. We'll just go as long as we can and try to end it around 25 minutes today, like we always do, but... uh, We really wanted to get uh, a lot of information here to you and uh, just can't get where we need to be in 25 minutes today. So we're just going to take our time. Hey, I'm retired. I don't have a bus to catch. So uh, there you go. I am glad that the uh, guys across the street have quit cutting trees and running that chipper. So you won't be annoyed with that in the background today like you were the last time. And I apologize For that noise, as I did in the last episode, uh, that was aggravating, but hey, progress continues, right? Okay, we're going to talk today about some of the reasons we're in the shape that we're in as far as gun violence, and particularly looking at the gun violence in schools. And we talked about many of those violent acts and kind of the chronology, putting things in perspective and how that we had to get down out of the top 10 school massacres, we had to get down to number nine before the United States even became a part of that. So it's not just a phenomenon that's particular or specific to the United States of America. It's a worldwide phenomenon, and we need to uh, look at it that way. It's not just a problem for us. It's a problem everywhere. And we gave you a little homework assignment. We asked you to order the book Why Meadow Died by Andrew Pollack and Max Eden. And this uh, talks about that dreadful story there when the Parkland massacre took place, and Meadow was one of the young ladies who died there in that massacre. And that book explains a lot of things that does absolutely nothing to keep our children safe and everything to put them in harm's way. Now, we can talk about a lot of reasons why we have so much gun violence in schools today. I'm not going to go down the road of violent video games, although a lot of these guys that uh, shoot up these schools are violent gamers. And certainly it's a factor in many instances, but it's it's uh, there's a correlation there. I'm not saying it's causal because everybody that plays violent video games, of course, doesn't end up being a school shooter or a school murderer. So we're not going down that path. We're not going down the path of, uh, you know, they've taken God out of school and, and uh, if God were in school, then uh, we wouldn't have these problems. Well, you know, that is a factor too. 
you know, as we've said many times before, back in boomer days, you know, we didn't have these problems. We had spiritual training. We had a moral compass. But today we have none of that in the public schools. And so, yes, is the the lack of God in public schools a problem? Is that one of the problems we have today? Yeah. But it's a problem that we have in society in general in the fact that uh, we live in, to some degree, a godless society. I mean, just look around you and and the, the, the people who take God as a joke and they uh, make fun of Christians and and anybody that stands up for their Christian values or their Judeo-Christian ethic, they're smacked down. And so certainly that is all around us. We're not going to go down that road, though, because I think we all know that without God in the schools and without the training in our society in general, that people who are godless can't be expected to act godly. And certainly these activities in school shootings and uh, department store shootings and Walmart shootings and public venue shootings, these are done not by godly people, but by godless people. But, you know, when we were kids, like, say, back in boomer days, this violence was an issue. Now, you might have a playground fight. You might have a couple of guys duking it out to to defend their girlfriend's honor or something, or they might be in a fight about, you know, who knows what. consequence that took place then was, uh, you know, you got three licks with the big oak board or you got sent home. But today we're in a situation where the discipline in the schools has gone soft, and uh, that's by design. It's not by accident. Uh, Paul Sperry wrote an article um, last year about this lax in discipline policy, and a lot of this started under President Barack Obama, where he pressured. And, you know, I was part of that pressure that uh, that pressure was applied to me as a principal that you're suspending entirely too many students. Uh, You can't suspend these students, especially students with special needs. Now, folks, let me tell you, I'm all about helping students with special needs. Uh, There's no doubt about the soft spot in my heart for students with special needs. But when I was a student and when you baby boomers were students, we didn't have what they called quote-unquote special ed classes. We didn't put a label on kids. We had some kids who maybe didn't learn quite as quickly as others did. They were slower learners. So what happened along about the 1980s, somebody said, well, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard on the kid's self-esteem to be in a class that uh, moves a little more slowly. So what they did, they came up with this big push-in movement. We're going to push students in. We're going to push them in. No child left behind. Thank you, George Bush. And, and we push these students into these classes. So a teacher today, a public school teacher, and public school teachers get a bad rap. And, I, and, you know, I'm going to be the first first one to tell you, folks, we have some tremendous teachers in the public schools, but we have some who shouldn't be there. And that's just a fact. We have some great service personnel. We have some great secretaries, cooks, custodians, bus drivers, and we have some that shouldn't be there. But that's the way it is and everything. So, But to give the teacher their due, it's a very difficult 
situation that they find themselves in trying to teach our children today, number one, for all the federal restraints that are upon them, and number two, when you have the pushing in, when you have students of all intellectual abilities within that classroom, a student, a teacher, for example, might have a classroom with an IQ range of anything from 70 to 142. And he or she is expected to teach these students the same material. So what happens if you teach the kids who are at the 142 IQ spectrum, then the kids who are at the 70, 75, 80 spectrum on an IQ, they become frustrated. If you teach to the lower quadrant of that IQ range, then the more accelerated kids are bored. If you teach in the middle, it's, you know, you're going to get those kids in the middle, but then you've got problems on both ends of the spectrum, everything from frustration to boredom. So we put a teacher in an impossible situation, and we expect them to teach these kids and get the same education for every child in that classroom, and it's just not possible. Now, when that kind of situation happens, obviously you're going to have behavior problems. You're going to have people who are frustrated creating behavior problems. You're going to have people who are bored that are creating behavior problems, and you've just got behavior problems on both ends and in the middle. So what used to happen back in boomer days If a child gave a teacher, if a student gave a teacher problems, many times the teacher took care of it themselves right then. They got the oak board out of the desk and they applied the Board of Education to the seat of learning. Problem solved. And you say, oh, that's barbaric, that's that's archaic, that's child abuse. No, it's not child abuse when corporal punishment is administered properly. And I'm not going to sit here and make an argument for corporal punishment, but that's just the way it was. That's what happened back in baby boomer days. But today, we've gone the entire... Uh, I mean, we've done a 180, and we've gone as far away from that as we can. And these are some of the things we're going to talk about today and probably next week, too, because to be honest with you, I just don't have time to talk about it all today. And it's important enough that I think you need to understand what's happening out there in the public schools and why we're having these discipline issues today and why people like the young man who uh, murdered these children in the Parkland school massacre, why he was allowed to slip through the cracks undetected. And we'll probably get into that maybe next week or the week after. But we're going to park here for a while till we really understand the dynamic in the public school. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if the last time that you were in the public school is when you were a student, and you're over 40, if the last time you were there was when you were a teenager, you would not recognize the place today. It's an entirely different situation there in the public schools. And, you know, I was uh, a product of the public schools. I taught in the public schools. I was a school administrator in the public schools. And uh, we, uh, we, you know, retired from the public school system. My last six years I spent as a personnel director trying to hire uh, suitable personnel uh, in the public school system. But Uh, The public school system of today is not the same public school system we had 
20, 30, 40, or 50 years ago. It's just not the same. Now, when Barack Obama became president, he pressured educators to adopt a new code of conduct, making it harder to suspend or expel students of color. Even kids who punch out their teacher aren't automatically kicked out of school anymore. Did you know that? If you punch out a teacher, you're not automatically kicked out of school. (laughs) Can you imagine back in baby boomer days punching out your teacher? and living to tell about it? You know, previously, if you hit a teacher, you were gone. And I'm I'm citing some quotes from personal experience. I'm citing some evidence from my personal experience, experience as a longtime employee of the public school system. And I'm giving you some uh, statistics or data that came from this article written by Paul Sperry. And uh, but you know, used to if you hit a teacher, you were gone. And uh, but that's no longer the case thanks to race-based discipline quotas. Now, it's not only race-based, it's ability-based. So the schools were monitored heavily under the Obama administration, and I was a school administrator during that time, and we had very strict guidelines on the number of children of color or the number of children of disabilities that we could suspend exclude them from school. So you get a kid who has a suspension-worthy or even an expulsion-worthy offense, and you were put in a position where you couldn't really report that because that would make your numbers look bad and your school would get labeled a dangerous school. And so a lot of times principals, administrators, and teachers ignored bad behavior. And when you ignore bad behavior, what are you going to get? more bad behavior. In the first year after Obama issued his new discipline guidelines, which came with threats of federal investigations and defunding, and I was the recipient of some of those threats. This isn't just pie in the sky. This really happened. Schools saw more than 160,000, that's 160,000 physical attacks on teachers across the country, and yet the assailants who attacked these teachers were expelled in fewer than 130,000 cases. Out of those 160,000, less than 130,000 of them were expelled from school. Now, can you imagine 30,000 kids who assaulted a teacher got to come back to school the next day and they weren't expelled? They weren't expelled. Many of them weren't suspended. They were given a stern talking to. And uh, many teachers have been sent to the hospital by students. These students are emboldened. You know, they'll look at you and say, well, you can't do anything to me. I'm special ed. You can't do anything to me. You know, I'm a person of color. You can't do anything to me. I'll have my mommy or daddy get the attorney in here tomorrow. So what happens, you get teachers who are assaulted, sent to the hospitals, and despite the change in administration and have now been adopted by 53 of the nation's largest school districts, including New York City. One of the worst school systems in the world, New York City. And they've adopted these lax discipline policies. And there's a growing number, folks. Let me tell you, there's a growing number of classroom horror stories and backlash from teachers' unions left. uh, And this has left the former, former Obama educrats, we'll call them, scrambling to defend the lower discipline standards. How can you defend lower discipline standards? Well, these are the same people who say we shouldn't protect our borders. These are the same people that say 
it's okay to have an abortion. These are the same people that support the LGBTQ agenda. These are the same people who want to promote Islamic uh, fundamentalism in our public schools. These are the same people that want to do that. So why would we listen to them about discipline when they're not right on anything else? No one... No one is advocating for the students who behave themselves and do a good job. Who defends them? They have to put up with this foolishness. I'll tell you from a personal experience here. Of course, I won't use the student's name, but when I was principal of a middle school, we had a student who was identified as special needs. I don't think he was so much special needs as he was just lazy and rebellious. He didn't want to do his work, and he was labeled with a behavior disorder. Well, that a behavior disorder is just like a get-out-of-jail-free card for a kid because, oh, well, it's in his IEP, you know, that he will act out this way, so you really can't do anything for him. So I had a visit from the special ed director when I was principal because this kid would get in trouble. He liked to fight. He liked to tear up stuff. He liked to disrupt classrooms. So we just suspended him. And when when he did that kind of thing, we sent him home for three days, or we sent him home for five days. So I get a visit from the special ed director who says, you can't do that anymore. You can't you can't suspend him anymore. You're denying him of a of a free appropriate public education, and you can't uh, you can't do that. When he's at home, he's not getting an education. I said, well, when he's here, nobody else is getting an education. Doesn't matter. You can't suspend him. I said, that's fine. Every time he acts up, I'll just call the police and have him arrested. You will not. You will not do that. I said, oh, yes, yes, that's what I'll do. And this kid was kind of an old eighth grader. He had been held back for various reasons, so he should have been in about the 10th grade. So they said, no, you'll not do that. And I said, oh, yes, I will. I'm not going to have this child disrupt my good school here. We're not going to do that. So if I can't suspend him, I'm going to do the next best thing. I'm going to call the police and have him arrested and let them deal with him. They don't have, they don't care that he has an IEP or some document that says he's behavior disordered. So the next day, the next day, they came, the special ed brigade came, and they withdrew this student from my school, which was a middle school from the eighth grade, rewrote his IEP, and placed him in the ninth grade, placed him in the ninth grade so that I wouldn't be calling the cops on him, got him away from me. Well, wouldn't you know, the next week, the very next week, I get a call from a counselor at the high school where he went. He said, what about this kid? What, you know, what what in the world kind of a kid have you sent up here? And I said, I didn't send uh, him up there. They took him out of here because they told me I couldn't suspend him any longer. And uh, because I couldn't suspend him any longer, then uh, I told him that I would call the police when he got in trouble. And they said, no, you're not going to do that. And I said, oh, yes, I am. So they took him out of my school and moved him to your school and put him in the ninth grade. He said, well, guess what your scholar did? I said, well, it's hard to tell. He said he got aggravated in class. He punched out a teacher, punched her in the face, stole her pocketbook, and climbed out the window and ran away from school. (laughs) Now, that's what that soft discipline will do for you. And it won't only do things like that, but it'll do things that are much more serious, 
much more serious. St. Paul, Minnesota science teacher, he was beaten and choked out by a 16-year-old black student, blames the discipline policies, which he said are preferential toward African-American students. And it's not just African-Americans. It's African-Americans. It's children of color. It's special ed uh, kids, kids who are identified with special needs. And the high school uh, student allegedly came up behind the instructor calling him, and I'll just say effing, you know what it is, white cracker, put him in a stranglehold before bashing his head into a concrete wall and pavement, causing him to suffer a concussion and brain damage. Now, the teacher who was assaulted is still dealing with short-term memory loss and hearing problems from the December 2015 attack. So school violence is still rising and it's out of control. If you don't have rules for your children at home, they are going to live an unruly life. They're going to live an unruly life. You know, we have to give children structure. There have to be consequences for bad behavior. Just like in life, there are consequences for sin. We have consequences for things that we do wrong. The district there in uh, Minnesota, they're not suspending students for fighting, theft, drugs, and alcohol in an effort to show less students of color are suspended. (laughs) Said that the administration has even paid principals as much as $2,500 in bonuses for low suspension rates. And I know that to be a fact, folks. That's not fiction. Surge in violence also followed Mayor uh, de Blasio's racially motivated anti-discipline push started back in 2015. And he can claim victory because he has a lower suspension rate. But all the while, attacks on teachers have soared 48%. And that is according to the New York State Education Department data. So schools have turned deadly in many instances, on that um, soft discipline approach. They've turned deadly. Uh, In Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a series of violent altercations with students led to a wave of teacher resignations. At least 45 teachers quit in one month due to safety concerns. You know, you get to the point where you say, this job just doesn't pay enough, doesn't pay enough. You know, here in our own county, we have teachers that are kicked by and bitten and punched by uh, little kindergarten kids. You know, we had uh, one fella that was, uh, uh, when he first started working as a substitute teacher's aide, and he's one of the listeners to our show here, and we'll just call him Mike. He had a little old five-year-old or, uh, kindergarten kid chomp down on him, nearly bit his finger off. He, uh, the kid really bit the daylights out of him. And we have teachers who are dealing with that all the time because we don't have a way of disciplining those students effectively. In Buffalo, New York, a teacher got kicked in the head. Uh, and, and this teacher said, you know, we have fights here almost every day. The kids walk around and say, well, we can't get us suspended, so we don't care what you say. So, folks, it's just a nightmare out there. Now, we have just scratched the surface. We have just scratched the surface. Now, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about, and in particular, five ways, five ways in particular that Obama's discipline policy has made schools less effective and safe. We're going to talk about that, those five ways. 
and we're going to uh, get into this uh, grad nation project of this soft discipline, this promised discipline, and this is this is part of the cause uh, to a large part of the school violence there in Parkland. I uh, reached out to Andrew Pollock, and uh, he's agreed to come on the podcast here in a few weeks. He's really busy right now with some things going on, but he said that uh, he would give us an interview there, uh, and we're interested to be able to talk to him. He has a has a great, uh, great um, uh, job going there. Uh, he's uh, preaching school safety all around the, the United States of America uh, to anyone who will listen. And his plan has absolutely nothing to do with gun control, I might add. So if you haven't already gotten that book, Why Meadow Died, or you haven't looked at his website, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that. Well, you know, as I told you, we had way too much for today's episode, so we'll probably be on this same topic for a couple more weeks. And then we're going to talk about common sense solutions to these problems. What can we do? You know, we can't turn back the hands of time. We can't say, well, we're going to start every day with prayer. That That's gone. We let that go. We sit back and watch that happen. We can't, we can't do anything about that. God is kicked out, essentially, of public schools, and they're not going to let him back in. You know, you can assault a teacher and not get kicked out, but, you know, God, you can kick him out. So those days are gone. But what can we do, what can we do, as a society to keep our kids safe. Now, if you're under the misconception that you're putting your kid on the school bus or you're dropping them off at the front door and that they're going to be perfectly safe all day long, trust me, they're not. But we can make them safe. We can do that. And in the next couple of episodes down the road, we're going to be talking about common sense solutions to do that. But in the meantime... You folks need to get active in your own school districts and make sure the discipline policies there are what they need to be. And again, Why Meadow Died by Andrew Pollock and Max Eden. Order that book. Well, I'm not going to take any more time today. We've got plenty left to do in the the weeks to come. So let me just end by saying this. Have a great week. And may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.